me, we, us. We're talking about relationships right now. Five messages on relationships. Last week we talked about singleness. And of course we understand that some people are single. They perhaps were married before and for any number of reasons they're single now. Some people would like to get married someday, but for whatever reason haven't moved down that path yet. Some people have been led by God and are fully content in the knowledge and the fact that that they're single, at least for now, or for any number of period of time. And we talked about relationships starting with singleness last week. And you're going to find that all of these messages mesh together and intertwine. And today we're going to be talking about marriage and preparation to marriage, preparation for marriage. But as I said, they all kind of will intertwine together. And today we want to talk about becoming the person you're looking for. Become the person you're looking for. But before we do that, I'd like to pray with you for a couple minutes. So Father, we bow in your presence. And this morning, Father, we're very mindful again We prayed about this last week and through the week, and we pray again about the situation in Ukraine. We obviously pray for peace to be restored there, but let me focus for a moment on our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Ukraine. And Father, I think, and I know there's many biblical believers there, but I think of in the Ukraine, we have 15 sister churches, alliance churches there. And we know this morning that More than half of the people in those churches are refugees this morning and are running or fighting or whatever they're doing for their life. We think of the church just across the border in Poland where refugees are fleeing and there's 180 people sleeping in that church this night as it's getting towards night in Poland now. And so, Father, we pray for the church. They're not just our alliance churches, but all the followers of Jesus there. We think of uh, Sergei Gutz, who's the leader of our church in Ukraine. We pray for protection for the believers there. We pray that they seize this unique opportunity to shine for Christ in the midst of crisis. Help them to show the people that are outside the family what what it's really like to be part of the family. And so, Father, as we consider your word now, we pray for your leading and your touch and your help as we look to open it up and just apply it deeply and practically in our life. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you are, or when you were growing up, if you thought about getting married one day, what were your expectations? And how, how is that working out for you? If you ask me, I absolutely believe with all my heart that a God-honoring great marriage is possible. I absolutely believe that it is. And I want to give some credit to Jim Evans, a person who wrote a book called Marriage on the Rocks. On the Rock, rather, on the Rocks, that wasn't too good. On the Rock... And we're going to be looking, uh, I thought that was pretty funny. 
at the four, we're going to be looking at four Ps together. Priorities, pursuit, partnership, and purity. And that's in the weeks to come. But today, when we talk about priorities and the big rocks in our life, sometimes, and we know these things aren't true, but sometimes we still dive deeply and we get pressured into thinking these false expectations that are pushed on us that to be, even though we know in our head it's not true, sometimes we find ourselves moving this in, in this direction, that to be really, really happy in life, to have a life with meaning, we have to meet that perfect person who gives us continual goosebumps. And even though we know in our head that's not right, that's, not, that's a false expectation, sometimes we find ourselves at all the different stages of life, looking in that direction to say, if I could only find the one. And we find ourselves saying things like this, you know, the last three guys I dated, they didn't have a job, they're addicted to PS5, but this guy I'm with now, he doesn't even know what a video game is. He's so perfect. Or she's so amazing, I've never met anyone like her, I just know she's the one. My goal in this little talk is that you'll walk out saying, and have the courage to say, God, would you fill me with my spirit, because I actually hope to meet the two. Or if you're already married, to say, my spouse will be my undisputed two. Because, God, I've made the deep-seated commitment that you will be my one. That you will flavor and shape everything in my life. That you will impact the choices I make and the way I orient my life. And then my potential spouse or my literal spouse will be my two. And this one is very important, what I'm about to say as well. And if I have kids, they will be the three. They will not be the 1.9 and my spouse too. They will be the three. If you want a healthy marriage, if you want a healthy relationship with God, he'll be number one. That spouse will be the undisputed number two. And kids will be three. Jesus, who we talked about extensively last week, the scriptures tells us, he doesn't empathize, he doesn't try to understand, he sympathizes, he understands fully what it means to be a single person. He understood what it was to be a 30-year-old single man who went to the wedding at Cana of Galilee, where their whole community gathers to celebrate the wedding. And more than likely, I'm just guessing, but I'm guessing people were going up to his mom or even up to him and say, how come you're not married yet? And Jesus knew God's calling on his life, and he was never alone and never lonely. And he was in the heart of his Father's will. So he understands. We talked about that last week. Today we're going to turn in our Bible or on our device to a very familiar passage to Matthew chapter 22, one that I've spoken to you about before, but it's such an important thing about what's important in life. 
Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 22. You can look on your device if it's your, at home. We encourage you to obviously join in. And all through the, the New Testament, as Jesus is doing ministry, there's these religious guys that were opposed to him, that would follow him around, were writing, you know, recording everything he's saying, however they did that, listening, trying to trip him up because they felt threatened by him. They thought he was going to erode their power base and their position in the society, and they wanted to get rid of him. And so they were always trying to test him. And in Matthew 22... It says in verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. That's one of those religious groups. The Pharisees got together. So they said, okay, the Sadducees didn't get them. Let's see if we can get them. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he's summarizing the first four of the Ten Commandments with that statement. This is the first and greatest commandment. So he's saying, listen, this is the thing you need to be about. This is where your life needs to be oriented and how your life should be shaped and molded. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, all of the law and the prophets. That means all the 39 books of the Older Testament hang on these two commandments. And that second statement summarizes the latter six of the Ten Commandments. And so if you're listening today and joining us online or you're here with us in person, let me say to you, if you are single and one day hope to be married or sense that this is God's call for you, I challenge you today to make the promise I will seek the one, as Jesus says. Here's the whole 39 books of the Old Testament summarized, which are affirmed in the New Testament as well, as Jesus says this. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I challenge you, if you're single, to make that commitment. I'll seek the one while preparing for the two. Andy Stanley, who made the statement that I quoted earlier in this little talk, Become the person you are looking for. Become the person you are looking for. And if you're already married, I want to challenge you to make a similar promise, one like this. God, you will be my first priority, and my spouse will be my undeniable second. My spouse will be my second. And this idea, as we move on from God first to spouse second, is really capsulized, and it's kind of pictured for us, practically speaking, in the classic passage on marriage that Jesus quotes in the book of Matthew, but it comes from Genesis chapter 2. And let me just read it to you, the first book of the Bible. You can turn there if you want. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 20. And Jesus when he quotes it in the New Testament as saying, yeah, this is how it's supposed to be set up. This is how God intends for it to work. This is the sort of the Petri dish that gets created that is the best environment, the greatest possibility of having this healthy, vibrant relationship with God and healthy, vibrant marriage that you long to have. And so he quotes from Genesis 2, beginning in verse 20, that says this, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. 
So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why, or some some translations said, for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. For this reason, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. In other words, as you're growing up, Jesus is saying, and, and, and Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis, is saying, when you're growing up, your, your most important human relationship, your priority is with your mom and dad. And, and that's going to change one day. Now, we always honor our mom and dad, it says in the book of Ephesians, till the day they die. And we've talked about this extensively in the past. How do you honor your parents? And how do you honor parents in particular that perhaps are dishonorable, that really don't deserve it? We've talked about that in the past. But you honor your mother and your father. But when you are married the relationship with them changes and the priority, humanly speaking, shifts to your spouse. God remains first. Your spouse becomes your primary human relationship. And again, the problem is, and we know in our head, intellectually, this stuff isn't true, but we come, sometimes get swept up with the misconception that if I just meet the right person, That will make me happy, happy, happy. That will fulfill me when we approach it like that. And when we do approach it like that, we begin to idolize that person, at least initially. But after a while, not so much. And at first we're saying things like, and thinking thinking things like, you're so amazing, you are so perfect. And the ladies are saying something like this, the last guys I dated were so intense, they were so over the top, it was just too much. This new guy, he's so laid back, I love that about him. You're so relaxed, you're so chill, I love that about you. But after a while you find yourself saying, he's such a lazy lump, he won't mow the lawn. I have to beg him to take out the garbage. And it's always, I'll get to it tomorrow. And like Solo might say, manana. He wouldn't say that. Or we say about the ladies, you know, I love her because she's so driven and she's so amazing and she's such a go-getter. But then after a while, you find yourself saying, everything else in life is more important to her than me. At least that's the way it seems. And see, when we have those kind of approaches, we're asking our spouse to fill a need that they were definitely not designed by God to meet. The Bible is just really clear. It's just real practical about this. God says, this is, really, this is only met in a surrendered relationship with God where you say here's my life Jesus and now I want to live out a life that's pleasing to you so would you fill me with your spirit and I'm going to surrender every day and say fill my life with your spirit so I can live it in the power of the spirit filled life and you know Debbie and I 
We've, I've said this to you before. We've been blessed with a very strong marriage. Uh, we really have. But really the only times when there's been some bumpy periods in our life, and everybody has them, is when I've let my priorities in life get out of order. Or I've let something or some project or work or something like that become more important than her. And you know what happens when that happens? That causes what I would call legitimate jealousy. You know, we tend to think jealousy is always a bad thing, but biblically there is such a thing as legitimate jealousy. When we let other things become more important or come into a place in our life that they're not intended to be, a legitimate jealousy arises. For example, God is a jealous God. Scripture says this in a number of places. Let me just read to you a couple of them. So there's this legitimate jealousy that God has. It says in Exodus 34, Do not worship any other God for the small g God. Do not worship any small g God for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So he's saying, you're letting other things or other idols become more important than me. This hurts me, this wounds me, this is wrong for you, and it's hurtful to me. Do not do it. It says in Psalm 78, they angered him, this is the children of Israel, they angered him with their high places. They would go to high places, which is what all the pagan nations in the surrounding areas would do. They would go to high places and they would make sacrifices and worship to false worship false gods. It says they angered him with their high places. They aroused his jealousy with their idols. And anything, and I mean anything, because we have many idols ourselves, anything that we put in God's rightful place in our life becomes an idol. And God, who is holy, who is absolutely righteous, who is the King of kings, who is the Lord of lords, who is the one that created everything there is, who is the one, it says in Ephesians, that sustains everything, that gives you the next breath you take. Take a breath right now. In and out. That's because God allowed it. That's because God allowed it. When we put anything in place of him, he is a jealous God. And he says, this is wrong. And you need to repent. Let's just transfer this over then to the most important person in our life. Apart, like humanly speaking, our spouse, if we're married. That's why every once in a while in marriage, you need to have the courage Don't put this off or act like it's no big deal. You have to have the courage to sit down with the one you love because you do love them and speak the truth and love with your spouse. Say, I'm a little jealous of the fact that you're letting this, that, or the other thing seemingly become more important than me in your life. So let me give you some practical, because the Bible is always very practical. Let's talk about some practical examples of how we do this. We might have to sit down with our spouse and say, I'm a little jealous of the time that seems to be more important to you than me of the time you spend with the kids. That one says, whoa, 
We need to spend time with our kids. Absolutely, you spend time with your kids. We invest in our kids. Our kids are an incredible gift from God if we have kids. Grateful for the kids. But we cannot be child-centered. If you want a healthy relationship with God and a healthy relationship with your spouse, we cannot be child-centered. Bible is very clear. Our marriage must be our priority, humanly speaking. And in fact, if you actually want to love your kids appropriately and bless your kids, love your spouse. Invest in your spouse. Because if we don't, one day what happens is that kid's going to grow up and leave home and you're gonna, we're going to look at each other and say, what was your name again? Children are a temporary or evolving assignment. And absolutely more intense, time intensive at the beginning, changes a little bit or so when they become elementary age, changes some more as they become teenagers, as they become young adults. It morphs, it evolves, those kinds of things. But at some point, if they don't make the move themselves, it's entirely healthy and loving to gently push them out and say, you go serve Jesus and live on your own. Because children are an incredible blessing from God, but they're temporary. Scripture says marriage is until death do you part. Or maybe another legitimate jealousy you've got to talk with your spouse about is the time they spend with their friends. Now, it's great to have friends. You want to spend time with your friends. Great thing to do. But sometimes it can be more important than the one we truly love. Or a hobby, great to have hobbies. Love those hobbies, good thing to do. Or the internet, or the device, which I don't have with me, thankfully. Uh, Or the device we have in our hand all the time that we often spend hours a day with. It's not always a bad thing that destroys a marriage. It's often a good thing that's gotten out of its proper place. You're going to get married at some point in the future. I call on you to embrace what is most important today and to help create the healthy habits in your life that should never change when you get married. If you're married today and you're struggling in your relationship In my experience, it's the most likely root cause is that you or your spouse are not putting God first. Because when we do, God goes, marriage, that's what I created. I created marriage in Genesis 2. Marriage is uber important. And so he's going to want you to invest in your marriage. He's going to say, I really want you to pray with your spouse and for your spouse. I really want you to open God's word up and read it together with them and discuss it and say, okay, what does that mean for our life? How can we seek Jesus together? How can we invest in each other? How can we admit when we've done wrong? How can we forgive one another? Because you can't have a healthy relationship when you don't forgive. How can we date one another? You've heard me say this. Make it a regular healthy habit of your life. I would encourage you every week 
to say it's just going to be the two of us. Love our kids. If we have kids, love our kids. But we're going to you know, get someone in our small group to watch them or something like that. And we are going to go out and just and have some time together. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. But we are going to make time to invest in each other's lives. And speaking of money, let me talk to you about that. You need, you need to work. It's important to work hard. Scripture is very clear. If you can work, now some people can't. And there was people in the New Testament in particular where Jesus would go to those that couldn't work and he would heal them and he would help them. But it also says in the New Testament, those who don't work or refuse to work shouldn't eat. Important to work and to work hard if you can. No problem with making good money, with working and earning good salary and being successful. No problem with that at all. However, listen to me carefully here. You may need to work less and earn less so that you have time for your spouse. That's hard for us in North America to hear that. What's really most important? What's really most important? One of the best decisions Debbie and I made as a young couple is we said, we will prioritize time together. And so there's been numerous times in our life where we have made choices where, for example, where she might have decided to work outside the home and we've said, only if it still allows for time for us together. Or I've made changes in my life only so that we could have time together. I remember once she was going to work full time, but she said to the employer, I can't work on Tuesdays. That's the day Scott's off because we spend time together that day. And if I can't have that day off, I won't take the job. So there's been times in our life not in that instance, but in others, where we've made less money. And you know how many regrets I have for that? Zero. And some things didn't get done. And how many regrets do I have for that? Zero. Because we invested in one another. Now I know, I know, because I hear your stories. I know there's some really hurting people here that are listening online or are here this morning. And my heart breaks for you. It really does. And you've been going through deep waters in your relationship. And I'm sorry for your pain. I really am. And I know this is, this is tough stuff. Let me talk to the men here for a minute. You know, last time I checked, I'm a man. So let me talk to the men for a second. But the women can listen to. Guys, if someone was to break into your house and they were going to hurt your family, what would you do? You know, like whatever, if somebody steals something out of your garage, it's not great, but it is only money, right? It's only money, it's only things. But you know they have come to hurt your family. What are you going to do? You are going to fight back with everything and anything you can use to protect your family. In fact, I would dare say you would die 
gladly die to defend your family. I think that would be a great way. If you've got to die, that'd be a great cause to die for, protecting your family. You would give yourself up for them. And it's this kind of imagery that then translates into how we live our life. Rather than the big dramatic moment like I just articulated, I'm talking about how do I live my life on an ongoing basis. And this is what Paul, in writing to the church in Ephesus, in the classic passage on marriage, this is what he says to husbands in Ephesians 5. He says, husbands, love your wife. How do you love your wife? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And, and you know, you could spend a week of Sundays kind of meditating and saying, God, what does that mean? Practically speaking, for me as a husband, to give myself up for my spouse. How, how is that going to look? And it's almost hard to put into words at points. But at the very least, it's going to mean I am going to take a long, hard look and I'm going to say, God, is there ways you want me to reprioritize my life around what matters most? Around, you know, sometimes I'm with people when they die. When you go to die, and we're all going to die, right? Lest Jesus comes back first. You want to die with the least amount of regrets possible. That's one of the things you want to do. There's a few other things, but that's one of them. You don't want to look back and go, Oof, I had my priorities totally out of whack. Out of whack. So it means sitting down and saying, God, you know, my life is available. <laughs> If you want to do some shifting or some fine-tuning, I'm in. I'm in. And when we do this, we find healing in Jesus. We find real fulfillment in life. In ways that a job, great to have a job, but in ways that a job or some other dream never will. So what I want to do is I want to pray with you for a couple minutes just to wrap this message. So why don't we just bow our head. Whether you're here or if you're at home, I invite you to bow your head and close your eyes, and I just want to pray for you about this stuff. Kind Father, I bow in your presence. And I pray on behalf of these people, your people, God's people. I pray for those that are here or home online that one day sense that they would love to be married. Father, I pray that you fill them with your spirit. I pray that you would give them a deep-seated commitment to have a foundation of righteousness in their life, that they would have you first in their life, that they would live a holy life, a life that's surrendered to you and filled with your spirit and that they would be deeply and increasingly conformed to the image of Christ. I pray that they will have the courage to take up the challenge to make that promise. I seek the one while preparing for the two. I pray that they build into their life healthy habits that will carry them through a lifetime. 
Lord, I want to pray for those that are married here today as well. I pray that they will sacrifice so that their marriage will be strong, that it will be strengthened from on high and protected from the attacks of the evil one. I pray that the very blood of Christ would cover their relationships. I pray in Jesus' name that your angels would surround them and do spiritual battle. I pray that any, in Jesus' name I would rebuke any attacks from the evil one Anything contrary to the Spirit of God, I pray that it would be rebuked and sent away and sent to the place where Jesus would have it go. And instead, you would fill them with your Spirit. I pray that they would make the same kind of commitment as the others to make God first in their life, to commit themselves to read your word, to incorporate it into their life, to be, to be healthy, full-fledged parts of your church, to do life in community, all of these things, Lord. May you reveal those practical ways that they can improve their marriage, that they can uh, enhance their marriage. May they repent where they need to. May they forgive always. I pray you bring healing. I pray you restore and deepen intimacy. And I pray these things now with great hope and expectation for what you will do. In Jesus' precious name.